Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning as we get to worship God together. You please stand with me if you are able. We'll come together and worship through song. Good morning, church. How wonderful it is to have victory in Jesus. 
That is my favorite song since I was a child, so it's got me all hyped up this morning. Um, I am here to welcome you in person. Those of you online, thank you for joining us so much. Wasn't it wonderful to be back in Sunday school again this morning? It was a great morning to study Jesus. A um, couple quick reminders. We do have prayer and share Wednesday night at 6.30 and business meeting as well. So please attend that to know our church's business. Um, Blake Harding today is doing a trial sermon in Robinson, Illinois. Please continue to pray for Blake that if God is calling him to that church, that is where he will follow God and, and work in that church. He has such a love for Jesus, and we just pray that today um, that that is where God is calling him. Also, next Sunday, Nate Adams, our executive director of IBSA, will be our guest speaker. Um, then there will be a lunch following. We are going to celebrate Pastor Cliff and how long he has been with us. Um, we are so thankful to have him leading our church and we will have a lunch to celebrate him and his family next week. Um, <clears throat> shockingly, he doesn't know any other details. If you all know Pastor Cliff well, he has to know details on everything always. Um, and he doesn't. So that is a blessing. So with that, I'm going to ask Richard Hazelwood, our deacon, to come up because he does know the details. No, I don't. <laughs> I, too, uh, want to say welcome to you who are here, to you who are online. I'm not quite as hyped up as uh, Heather was this morning, but uh, do you recall where you were and what happened in your life on January the 9th, 2013? Anybody remember? There's one thing I want to share. That's the day that Pastor Cliff started working at Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's not the day we, we voted to call him, but it's the day he started. It's the day it's on his pay slip as his start of work, and that, that's what counts. And so we're going to be celebrating his 10th anniversary of service with our church next Sunday. We're going to do it today, but our guest speaker couldn't come today, so we thought, well, we'll wait till he can come. So it could have been February, you never know. But he's going to be here with us to share on, in the service on Sunday morning. And then we're going to be having that dinner. We want you to come, both you who are here today, you who are online. Please plan to be here. You don't have to make a reservation. If you want to call and let us know that you're coming and you're not, you've not been attending, that might be good. But we, we'll have food for you one way or the other. We want to share with you in that, that special day. And we do have some other things planned. We have some folks who have been working on that for us. And, uh, again, I don't know everything's going to happen. I don't think any of them know everything's going to happen because... Sometimes things are a little bit spontaneous, and uh, so we're looking forward to that. So I want you to be with us next Sunday as we celebrate the 10th anniversary. We, you know, it's his 10th anniversary with us, but he doesn't get to speak. That's kind of interesting. Now, as Daryl says, we're going to have good preaching on <laughs> next Sunday. Daryl's waiting for us to, to forget that we, he ever said that. Uh, Brother Nate is the uh, executive director for Illinois Baptist, and uh, he's been in our uh, area, been with us many times before, and we're looking forward to the opportunity to have him speak. I want to remind you about Blake. He's not there as pastor. He's going as youth and family ministry. And they asked him to share about himself, and he's told Pastor Cliff some of the things he was going to share, and Cliff said, no, don't give him the theology about things. They want to know about you. And so be with, uh, in prayer about him as you go through the service this morning. He's going to be able to share exactly what God wants him to say, and they'll know whether or not to call him, and he'll know whether or not to go. 
and we look forward to the opportunity for him to go from our church to be in service to the Lord. Let's pray together as we start our service today. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. We thank you for each one who has come to be a part of the service this morning. We thank you for those online that they might be able to share and enjoy the, the time of worship through music, the worship through sharing of God's word. We pray for Adam. We pray for Cliff as they share those things with us. Pray for the time of invitation that those who have a, de a decision to make might make it and share it with us today, and we can rejoice with them. We do ask that in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Please stand with me, and we'll come together and continue to worship through song. of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see to 
seas into highways. You're the only one who cares. You're the only one who cares. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who All right, here we are 10 years later, <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to cover the book of Obadiah today. Uh, I didn't get to preach last week, I don't get to preach next week. Uh, I'd have covered Obadiah, but apparently we've not covered this yet. In all the 10 years, we've not covered this on a Sunday morning. Apparently I took one too many days off. All right, so here we are. You, you know, I, I, got to, I, I'm, I have the opportunity to preach a, a, or teach, excuse me, teach a preaching class or a presentation class up in uh, Athens, Illinois. I started Thursday night, and then I'll go back for another three Thursday nights up there to do that with um, the Heartland Network up there. And, and I was talking to them about preaching in series. In other words, you're starting the book of Mark, and you just keep push, preaching through the book of Mark. Well, today, you're going to get a whole sermon series, right? Obadiah, all of 21 verses. This is the little trivia thing. We're not prepping for trivia, but in case you're asked, what's the shortest book in the Old Testament it would be? And you who have paper Bibles are still looking for it, right? <laughs> You've probably passed it three times, okay? It's, 
So it, it's one of, the, one of the minor prophets there. So it's 21 verses, so it's just going to cover one side of the page, which makes it a little bit harder to do that. So as, I, as we talk about the vision of Obadiah, the vision of Obadiah, I want to ask that question. The question that you ought to be asking when you get there is, why does it matter to us? Obadiah passed away a long time ago. The people he's talking about are pretty much gone. Okay, you know, so why does it matter? It's that kind of question that we want to ask and answer in a lot of the text, right? We want to, what is in that text that applies to me today? What do I mean, what's in that text that's for me today? I want to read that. You know, I've asked you to read through the Bible. I'm giving you a jump start. You're covering one whole book today. Okay, we're going to read all 21 verses. We're going to cover this one. But you ask that question, what does it mean today? Because guess what? That scripture that you read hopefully on a daily basis, even if it's a one-verse scripture, has meaning for you today. You're not just reading history. You're reading the verse that could transform your life today. It's intended to transform your life and change you. The idea is when we look at the scripture, when we study the scripture, that we walk away with the light on. We're reminded of something. We're going to go do something better than we've done before. We're going, to, we're going to be more like Jesus tomorrow than we were today. So here we are. The ambulance, the ambulance chaser, the mob looting, and Edom. You've heard of all three of those, right? Now you have. What do they all have in common? What do they all have in common? The old ambulance chaser, this may be, I may be dating myself, but we used to refer uh, many times to, uh, well, the less than upstanding lawyer as the guy who would chase down the ambulance, look for an opportunity to make a lawsuit. Okay, the ambulance chaser looking for an opportunity, mob looting, we've seen that. We've seen that just recently. It, it filled our TV screens up where the riots would break loose and then they'd smash a window and then pretty soon everybody's carrying something out of the store, the mob looting. We're going to talk about Edom today. We're going to ask, answer, ask and answer that question. What do they have in common? What do those things have in common where somebody else takes advantage of somebody else and the misfortune and makes something of that. So we're going to talk about that. Because here's the question that when we read the book of Edom, when we see what they did, the question will be, will God do anything about this? That was a question for the Israelites, the Jewish people. As we, as we watch the wrong unfold before us on the television screen, you all know that that breaking a window open and walking in and taking stuff out is not right. You know that. You knew that when you watched that. And it probably made you angry. And it, asked, it, it, it led to that question, will somebody do something about this? Because it's not right. It's not right. We see things that are not right. And we ask that question, will God do anything about this? Will God do anything about this? Flip the slide there. Will God do anything about that? That's the question that they want to ask. So we're going to talk about, I mentioned the name Edom. How many of you know Edom? You've been in a family dinner with him? Okay. You've been on a trip to Edom. Nobody's answering. Nobody online has their hands up either. So who is Edom? Who is Edom? Let's go back a little bit with this. This is from Genesis 27, 41. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. 
That should give us a clue to who Edom is. Edom is simply Esau. The descendants of Isaac, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's descendants are what? Israel. And Esau's descendants are Edom. So that's who Edom is. So now we get this. We understand now because Esau's birthright, he was the firstborn. They were born twins. He was the first out. He should have had the birthright given by his father. But it was stolen by Jacob. So there's always been this grudge. It's an interesting story to read back in Genesis. When you read through there, you'll read that story. And you'll see the, how the conflict started. And how it seems to have been smoothed over and made up. When Jacob returned, finally, it seems like everything is good. But apparently it didn't stay that way in the family. So Edom and, and Israel are actually enemies most of the time. Where is Edom? Since now we know that it's a descendant, the place or the nation is a descendant of Esau, we want to know where is that. So it's, it's um, in the hill country, Genesis 36, 8. So Esau lived in the hill country south of Seir. Esau, Esau is Edom. It is simply south of the Dead Sea among the rugged sandstone the sheer walls and the ravines that are located in that area. Matter of fact, that background blurred out there is a picture that we took from Masada, which is just to the southeast. Uh, no, that's southwest of the Dead Sea. So it's in that area, and you could see when we went into these places, I'm going to guess they weren't vegetarians because it didn't look like you could grow much there. All right, just, just going to say that. Uh, if you get a chance and you want to look up Petra, it's not the Christian rock band that I'm asking you to look up. It is a place that I'm asking you to look up. I think you can still tour that. Petra is one built back. You've got to wind your way through the passages, and there it is. It's, it's a stone front. And so, just, to, just to, to frame that up a little bit more, where they were at, they were pretty much untouchable. They were small because it's hard to grow in a place like that. But they also wore, their, their defense system was pretty good. One, people didn't really want to mess with them. Two, it was hard to mess with them. It was, it was you know, we're, we're accustomed to that. And even in modern warfare, Afghanistan is one of those places where it's difficult because of the terrain to do battle. And I will say this, just to mention this, as we talk about Edom and their, their fortress-like mentality, that there are other places in the Scripture that have fortress-like mentalities. They felt like they, were, they had the castle that nobody could crash. And it's kind of odd, because every time they proclaim how well protected they are, God has a way of bringing them down. Just understand that. So what did they do is the question. Because this is a vision concerning Edom, and it's not a vision that's all rosy, it's a vision of destruction. So what did they do? We're going to talk a little bit about that. But if I understand when the book is written, there's a little bit of debate about when the book was written. There's prophecy that you'll see in Jeremiah that's also repeated in the book of Obadiah, interestingly enough. But it appears to be the, the, the most likely date, for you that are keeping track of history, but understand the timeline of the Old Testament, it is as the southern kingdom 
was being carried away by the Babylonians. Matter of fact, there's a reference in Lamentations in the fourth chapter that references Edom, and it talks a little bit about them. So this prophecy was probably written about the same time. So it's after the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians. That's the timeline there. So the Babylonians or the Chaldeans when they took it. So here's the, the reference to the mob looting. After the Chaldeans pulled out and took what they wanted, the people of Edom, they went in through the broken window and took some more stuff. Okay, that's the kind of reference. That's the kind of thing that they did. And you'll see some more things that they did as we read through the book of Obadiah. But pay attention to what we read here in the scripture. But that's kind of a, those are the kind of clues that you'll be looking for. So let's pick it up in verse 1. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord. And an envoy has been sent among the nations saying, Arise! And let us go against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You are greatly despised. The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to earth? Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be ruined. Would they not steal only until they had enough? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave some gleanings? Oh, how Esau will be ransacked and his hidden treasures searched out. All the men allied with you will send you forth to the border. And the men at peace with you will deceive you and overpower you. They will eat your bread, will set an ambush for you. There is no understanding in him. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountain of Esau? Then your mighty men will be dismayed, O Teman, so that everyone may be cut off from the mountain of Esau by slaughter. Because of violence of your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame, and you will be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, you too were as one of them. Do not gloat over your brother's day, the day of his misfortune, and do not rejoice over the sons of Judah in the day of their destruction. Yes, do not boast in the day of their distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their disaster. Yes, you, do not gloat over their calamity in the day of their disaster, and do not loot their wealth in the day of their disaster. Do not stand at the fork of the road to cut down their, their fugitives, and do not imprison their survivors in the day of their distress. For the, Lord of, for the day of the Lord draws near on all the nations, as you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your own head. Because just as you drank on my holy mountain, all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and swallow and become as if they had never existed. But on Mount Zion there will be those who escape, and it will be holy. And the house of Jacob will possess their possessions. 
Then the house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau will be a stubble, and they will set them on fire and consume them, so that there will be no survivor of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Then those of the Negev will possess the mountain of Esau, and those of the Shephelah, the Philistine plain, also possess the territory of Ephraim and the territory of Samaria. And Benjamin will possess Gilead. And the exiles of his host to the sons of Israel, who are among the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sephrad, who will possess the cities of the Negev. The deliverers will ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. That's all of the book of Obadiah. Now, as we go back in and dive into the Scripture. What do we want to take out of there that's important to us? And I will tell you this, that as, I, as you study the, the book of Obadiah, uh, there, there's a concern that it's this nationalistic cry. Let's wave the flag of Israel over the one who kicked us while we were down. But what we want to look at, because it survived being in our canon and being in our Bible, why does God want us to look at the book of Obadiah. What can we take from that and apply to 2023, right? What do, we, what do we take from that and apply to this year so that we can connect what happened a long time ago, which isn't a place that we'll go to, but we can connect that to our lives today. Let's talk a little bit about the character of Edom. Let's talk a little bit about the character of Edom and the consequences because of the character. Let me ask you this. All of you have character, right? You have some kind of character. Whether you like it or not. Uh, Heather commented last week, Heather's upstairs so I can rat on her. She said, you're the honoriest pastor I've ever met. <laughs> my character, right? So what was the character? What was the character? Don't agree with her. What was the character of the people of Edom, the Edomites. When we read through there, what do we discover? How would I know who they were if I were to ask to meet them in the airport? It's that kind of question. What would I look for? You know, have you ever, you never, ever heard about somebody and then you, then you run across me and go, oh, I remember. And you begin to, you, you know because you have been described what they're like and their character and the, the kind of things that they do. So you recognize that. It may take you a minute, but you recognize that. What do we learn about the character of Edom, the nation, in this book? One, it starts out they were arrogant. It uses the word aloof as we're reading through there. So they're arrogant, they're aloof, they're, they're very prideful, very prideful. And that comes from where they were situated at and, and, and how they had lasted as a, as a nation. That comes from their, their dwelling place, up like the eagles. Those are, those are remarkable birds, right? And, and to, to their nest, right, is impenetrable. In, in that's the kind of deal there. And that's the, the, the words that God gives to Obadiah to describe this nation. They're full of pride. They're so full of pride that they're deceived. They think everybody likes them. But those are the very people that are going to turn on. That's their character. That's the points that we get. There's more to them 
But as God describes it and Obadiah describes it and turn describes it to us, this is the situation that we have. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. We talked about your character. Do any of you ever struggle with, with pride? And it's going to be honest, right? I'm just asking the question. Because I want you to begin to, to put yourself in that place where sometimes, maybe not to this extent, but if we leave pride unchecked, where does it take us? As I was beginning, to, as I was reading through it, even this time, he talked about the, their lofty place. And he talked about God would bring them down. And I always think, I, I thought of as I was reading that, the old phrase that, that pride comes before the fall and, and the higher you go, the harder you fall. And so that came into play as I was reading through that. And so when I asked that question about the pride, that, that has to hit home. Sometimes I deal with that from time to time, right? I was talking to one of my, one of my pastor friends and he was talking about that. He, he says, I have, I have a pride issue every once in a while. And so when I look at this passage that, that God deals with the Edomites and their pride, I know there are places that I have pride. I'm going to suspect that there are places that you have pride. Maybe not just in everything that you do, but there's a certain sense of pride in some of the things that you do. So let's look at what happens to their pride and the things that were surrounded because of their pride. Because what I want, God wants us to be humble, doesn't he? God, pride, you know, pride honestly keeps us from trusting in God. Because I've got this, God. You're busy. I can handle this. That, that's kind of the pride issue. So when I look at this, I want to ask that question of myself, reflect, and look at it. So what happens to them? It says that they would be ruined. God would bring them down. God would take enough of their pride, and God would answer their pride, and he would bring ruin upon them. The envoys, the nations would be called together to come and take them, to ruin them, to ransack them. They would be betrayed by those people in their inner circle. Those nations that they had partnered with, that they had allied with, those people were the very same people that would see an opportunity and turn on them. And they would be destroyed. They would be destroyed. Whenever we are in a prideful situation in our life, I'm sure that we laugh at this kind of talk. When, I want you to understand the book of Obadiah was about Edom, but God never delivered it to Edom. It was spoken to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. Had they heard it, they would have laughed. Because they would have felt like, who can bring me down? That was their attitude. Let's talk a little bit about their offense. Because when I look at this book, all 21 verses, I'm going to deal with the pride issue. But then I want to look at what did they do a little bit less. It's because of their pride. The pride's a problem, but their offense is another problem. And what did they do? They did violence to their very own brother. That's how it's referenced there. It's not to an outsider. It's not to somebody 
that they don't know, it's, it's not to the enemy, it's to their own brother. The one they should have been having Christmas with. Thanksgiving with. The one they should be anticipating doing a family reunion with. That was who they did violence to. On that day, it says, when, you, when, you're, when you're reading about the destruction of Jerusalem, it's ugly. When you read the prophecy that Jeremiah spoke that nobody listened to, in hindsight, Jeremiah was speaking the truth because God told him. He, God wanted them to avoid the brutality that was coming upon them. Their city gates would be crashed down. Their temple would be wiped out. Their pride and joy down. Their way that they connected with God, but really they weren't connected any longer, was going to be destroyed. They were warned about it, but it came to pass because they ignored the prophets. And they ignored the Jeremiah and the other prophets, Isaiah and the other prophets that were out there. And so, as that day came, guess who showed up to help? The Edomites. It says, you were as one of them. You gloated over their misfortune. Gloated over their misfortune. Today, this afternoon, you're probably going to, we don't deal with that anymore, do we? Today, you might go home and, and turn on the television and watch a little football. You'll think of this as you watch the guy stand over the guy he tackled, the quarterback he sacked, the running back they kept from going into the end zone, or the offensive player who scored the touchdown, who threw the pass. They will gloat over the misfortune of the other team, right? That's part of what we call football. Here, it was out of place. They entered the gate, they looted. They cut down the people fleeing, the refugees. We're accustomed to seeing the refugees fleeing the turmoil. And what I read here is that they actually, as the people were fleeing, cut them down, took their stuff, and imprisoned them. That's not exactly the kind of refugee camp that we're looking for, is it? Now the last thing, starting in verse 15, that Obadiah closes with is the day of the Lord. Okay, that's the one that he closes with. It is, it is a biblical theme found in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Zephaniah, and of course, in the New Testament. It's a day that will draw near on all nations, not just on, on Edom, on all nations, on all of us. Your dealings will return. Unto you will be done to you. How, you. how you dealt with others, that's coming back on you. You're going to reap what you sowed. That's what I read in that passage there. You will become, they will become as they never existed. That's the description that's given. The house of Jacob will possess. The kingdom will be the Lord's. The kingdom will be the Lord's. When we talk about the day of the Lord, When we look around us and we see the wrong, not just the lootings, but the attack on this is, this is sanctity of life, the month that we celebrate sanctity of life, protection of the unborn, protection of every life, already living too. We see the wrongs. We see people in power in, all over the world. 
that are doing things that we know that God has not led them to do. It doesn't fit with what we read in the Scriptures. We know that it's wrong. We see it. We see it. Sometimes we see it in our workplace. Not to that degree. But we see it there. And we wonder, how does it keep going on? And I, I will tell you that sometimes we get a little jaded, right? If they can get away with it, why can't I get away with it? We begin to let our guard down. And we begin to let our ground slip. And our moral high ground that we hold trying to serve Jesus, it gets beat upon and beat upon and beat upon. And sometimes we, what we end up doing is we, we, we slip away. This passage of Scripture, the day of the Lord, should remind us that there is a day coming when the Lord will call all into account. Not only Edom, not only Russia, not only Nazi Germany, you know, all of that, right? Us too. We need to be able to answer the right way. The blood of Jesus covers my sins. I need to live like I have the blood of Jesus on my life. In a way that would be pleasing to him. We're going to wrap it up with this. I want to I come back to that. What, is, what does this vision concerning Obadiah, concerning Edom, have to do with us? In other words, what are we going to do when I walk out of here, when I fold up my Bible, now that I have Obadiah, I want to fold that page over or whatever, so it's not so hard to find the next time. But now that I've done that, what do I, what do, I do with this? You're going to go to lunch, you're going to go to work this week, but how does this affect what I do? What do I do with it? The action steps is what we've been calling them. But I want to ask you this question. Y'all got family, right? How have you dealt with your brother? Okay? How have you dealt with family? How have you dealt with your, your neighbor, who the scriptures tell us to love your neighbor as yourself? Who's that neighbor? That's the guy next door, and it's more than the guy next door. Right? How, do you, how have you treated others? Because when I look at Obadiah, I understand that Edom didn't treat their brother well. How do I treat my brother? Has pride settled into your house? That's an honest question. I'm glad that you're good at things. God has gifted you. But pride lets us forget who gifted us. So I want to ask that question, is pride settled in your house? Because it's, it's kind of like dirt in your house. It's, it's kind of like, how many of you have looked at your floors since you've started picking up Christmas? How many of you have discovered that Christmas hadn't quite left your house? You may have boxed it up, but that old glitter is still hanging around. I look on our hardwood floors and it's like, well, there's, I know it's, the tree's gone, but the glitter's still there. It just kind of camps out and it's hard to get rid of. But we're going to work really hard because I really don't want to see glitter in June. Pride's that same way. It comes and it settles and it's hard to get rid of. We need to make sure that we find it and that we do what we can to take the pride out of my life and out of your life. I'm going to ask you this last question. I'm talking about their offense, taking advantage of somebody 
in a, in a situation, uh, standing aloof and gloating over somebody else's misfortune. What do you need to do if you've participated in those things? It's not right. It's not right. You, you may not have been the person on television carrying out the, the quasar television. But I'm going to ask you the question. Did you gloat at something else? Did you take advantage of somebody else's situation for your own benefit or for your own feel good? What do you need to do to make it right? Adam's going to come. We're going to sing a song, a beautiful song. As we sing this song, you are invited to pray where you're at. You're invited to come and pray. Typically, people will come and kneel down. It's just that humbleness. Know that when you do that, the rest of us here are going to be praying with you, not at you, not wondering what you've done that you need to confess. Honestly, we probably need to be there too. Maybe today is a day that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That day of the Lord won't be good. You want to make that right. You want to have a relationship. What do I need to do to be right and ready for the day that the trumpet sounds? You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to invite you today to do that. You may have something else that the Lord is... We prayed for Blake, who... Uh, is, is probably in the throes of preaching right now as he goes in view of a call. Maybe God has called you to do something. It may not be to go someplace else, but it may be to go across the ocean someplace and be a missionary. I want to give you the opportunity to respond as God is leading as we stand and sing. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. As get ready to sing this next verse, I want you to know that on any given Sunday, we have a deacon here. Mark's over here this Sunday, and Steve is over here. They are available. They may not be your deacon, but they may be. And if you would like them to pray with you on the side there, you're more welcome to make your way down. So let's sing again. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love, and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save 
Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, the day that we can look into your word. And Father, pray that as we go out, Father, that you would use us for your honor, for your glory. Father, prepare us, Lord. Help us to put our trust in you and not on ourselves. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple things before you go. Here's the have you read. It's correct this week. But here's the have you reads. I want to say, you know, as, we, as, as Richard talked about 10 years ago, where were you, et cetera, like that. Um, I kind of warned Adam, but on the 6th of January was actually when you guys voted on me. And it was a, it was a great thing. But here was the, the, here's one of the funny things that I remember about that day, because as Bob and the team went down, the, the, the team that, that interviewed me and all that search, search team, as they went downstairs, he goes, stall for a minute. Well, I'm kind of like Adam. All I know is bad dad jokes. <laughs> Do you know what a bad dad joke right now? No, you just kind of freeze, right? So we begun a traditional stall. And that traditional stall is deep and wide. Yeah, I don't, it's <laughs> deep and wide. Yeah, that's about how I do that. So that was, you ready to lead that? No, no he's not ready to lead that. But it's a stall that we've used, whether it was at Michael's ordination, it could have been at your ordination, because I have a tendency to, to be in the other building and to leave stuff over in this building, so I would run back, and so that was the, 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 uh, the, the deal. The other thing, just a little clue here before we, I let you go, is I was working at a place called Truck Pro by this time, uh, 10 years ago, probably on, the, on this day. And I went in and I let them know that you voted me in, and then I, I, they just let me go. So that's why I was able to start on Wednesday. They weren't going to miss me. So, so far, you guys have not done that to me. <laughs> but you know, the, the amazing thing about that is, is I had a company truck, and they wanted it back. <laughs> and so when I got home, I think my wife had to come get me. But when I got home, in order for me to get here, it was a choice between the Kubota tractor that went all the five miles an hour or the, the motorcycle. And that's why I'm on the motorcycle. They took that company truck away. You thought it was some other thing, right? But that's the reason. So enjoy your day. Make sure you come back next week so you can find out with me and Richard, apparently, what's going on. We're going to have food. I don't know whether we're having peanut butter and jelly or, or chicken or I don't really know. But it's really not the food. It's the, going to be the fellowship. Nate's going to speak to us. Nate does a great job. I've known Nate for longer than 10 years. And so we look forward to Nate preaching uh, on, on that day and celebrating 10 years together. Okay. Not all of you have been 10 years together. Some of you have said, yeah, I've been with you 10 years. Okay. <laughs> and, and I really want you to know that whether you've been with here all the time that I've been here or if you're relatively new,
I treasure your friendship. I treasure this walk that we do together called church. I want us to be better as a church. I want us to be better as an individual. I want us to be more Christ-like each and every day. That's my desire for me. That's my desire for you. I fail. I'm going to guess you fail, but not as often. But let's keep walking towards that together. Thank you, guys.